0: This is Gifts and Graces. On this episode of Gifts and Graces, we get to hear from Stephen Estock and Katie Flores as they share about the opportunities to raise up another generation to know and worship the
1: Lord. Stephen is coordinator of the Committee on Discipleship Ministry, where he serves alongside CDM's Children's Ministry Coordinator, Katie Flores. This episode was originally recorded
0: as a seminar delivered at the 2023 General Assembly and is sponsored by Palmer Home. Let's listen as Stephen and Katie discuss how new research can inform our children's ministries
1: going to do, some of you may not know exactly what CDM does. We are one of the committees of the General Assembly. We were one of the four original committees in this year of history. Our original name was Christian Education and Publications. And back in 2014, we asked the General Assembly to change our name to better reflect this idea of making disciples across the generations. And so that's why we were changed to Committee on Discipleship Ministries, or some people refer to us as Christian Discipleship Ministries, which we're fine with that. We'll, we'll go with that one. But we're, we are helping local churches make disciples through ministry to children, youth, men, and women. And so we do that by connecting people to people and people to resources throughout the denomination. What we want to do today is really focus on children's ministry. How many of you are elders on a session or serving as leaders in your church, elders? Okay, we're going to talk to you. And then how many of you are like volunteer or maybe paid, most likely volunteer, if I know most of our churches, are doing children's ministry? The rest, oh, we got a great group here. So what we're going to do is really look at thinking about getting children involved in the worship and the ministry life of the church. And so we're going to go over some things. I want you to think about your own context, because we want to cover what are some principles that you need to always keep before you. And then we're also going to deal with, all right, what are some practical things that we've got to work with? So one of the things, ask this question, do children belong in the church? Okay, you're saying yes. All right. Now, here's a question, though. When I say in the church, what are you thinking about? Are you thinking about in the church, like the community, the whole thing? Are you thinking in the worship service? What are you all thinking about? Worship service, all right. So you got worship service. Where else we got? Combination Combination of both. Okay, that's good. Anybody else? All right, I'm assuming everybody's going to say yes to this, all right, because you're good Presbyterians. The question is why and where is it? If somebody say, prove it to me in our constitutional documents, that might, no, I didn't know we had a constitutional document, but here's what it is. In the book of church order, chapter 2, the way the book of church order, it's set out. Here are the principles upon which our church government is formed. Right there in chapter 2, the church defined, the visible church defined. Remember, the visible church is the church as we see it. The invisible church is the church as God sees it. We see it, the visible church. It's all those together all those who make profession of faith together with their children so they are part of the visible church that distinguishes us from many in evangelical circles today that distinguishes us from many of the curriculum <laughs> resources that you you look at because some say that they're not part of the visible church Until they make a profession of faith. So we are different in that way, but you need to keep that in mind. Many of the people in your churches will come with this idea that, yeah, they're sort of, they belong here, but they're not really part of it. And we need to stand firm on the truth that, yes, they are. They are part of the visible church. Well, then we talk about the particular church. Now, remember, a particular church is. The word particular really comes from the idea of that visible church that exists all around the world is manifested in a particular location, a particular place. That's why we got particular church. And so that, again, is the number of professing Christians with their children. So... The children in your congregation are members of your church. Now, that might, especially those of y'all with Baptist roots, you might be saying, nah, Yeah, I don't want to. Where, where are you going with that, preacher? Well, that's what our Constitution says. Now, we say they are the children of believers are members of the church, but they're non communing members of the church. Which means they don't participate in the Lord's Supper, but we say because they're members of the church, they have the right to the sign of membership, which is baptism. So we baptize children because they are members of the church. Not because we believe that they have professed faith, We believe that they are members of the church and therefore by right should receive the sign of membership in the church looking forward to the day where they mature in their membership by professing their own faith. Now, those of you who are elders, I'm going to do it right now. One of my pet peeves, all right? When I talk to elders is we have so much wonderful times when a child is baptized. And we make a big deal out of baptism. But then when one of those baptized children joins the church, we yawn. Brothers, especially those of you who are teaching elders, let me charge you, make a big deal Not because a child is so great, but you have a real testimony that God, who made promises when they were children, is faithful to those promises. This is where I get Baptists. Can I get an amen? All right. All right. Uh, Do children belong in the worship service? Now, that's All right. So that's a little bit. So we believe they're part of the church, but let's look at the worship service. Now, here are two situations that I experienced in, the last, in my career as a pastor. One of them, I uh, went to a church service, and we were, it was a big day in the church. And so they were going to have a big celebration, and they were going through a regular worship service, and then they were, they were going to have the Lord's Supper, and then they were going to have sort of a time for just a church celebration. It was, they were going to uh, uh, elders and everything. It was just a big time. And the pastor at the beginning of the service said, today's a special day, we're going to take a break, and then parents, we want you to get your children because we want the adult volunteers to participate in this great event. Now, you might say, no big deal. But I thought in my mind, those children who are in the children's ministry need to be here. Because this is not just a big event for the adults of this congregation. It's a big event for the children, everybody in the congregation. Now, this particular pastor, I know him well. I bet if I sat down with him, he would say, yeah, yeah, I agree with that. I believe they are. But the thing about it is, especially those of you who are up front in the worship service, brothers, watch your language. And make sure you are acknowledging what our doctrine says. That they are part of our church membership. Here's another thing that I uh, I know Katie makes a comment about this. If you have a children's church, don't dismiss the children to children's church. Invite the children to a special time designed for them. You see it? There's a big difference from we dismiss you, get out of here. There's a difference between that and we invite you to do something specially designed for you because you are so valuable. You might say, no child's going to... You never know. You never know how the children are going to hear what you say. Now, here's another one. Uh, This happened a number of years ago. I, we, I was working with the children's ministry and uh, director, and he told me about this. Our, the church I was a part of at that time had a policy where the nursery only went up to three years old. At three years old, we said, parents, you need to have the children with you in worship service. This was before we had a special children's church type thing. Well, one of the parents came in, and they just they laid it up. We need you to change your policy. we got a four-year-old, and it's a, it was a girl. She's a handful. We're, she's not getting anything out of worship. We're not getting anything out of worship. You've got to change your policy. Well, this friend of mine, he held firm. He didn't change. When that young lady, 10 years old, she wrote on the order of worship, I love church. She felt apart. And the parents, I think, at that time realized yes, it was hard. But here's something of eternal consequences and a real blessing. We all know parenting's hard, isn't it? And parenting children in worship is hard, but there's so many benefits, and we never know what the children are really able to pick up. Well, what's our biblical background? Well, Psalm 78. It talks about, give ear, O people, to my teaching. Let's tell about the glorious deeds, his might, the wonders he has done, that they set their hope in God. Do not forget the works of God, but keep his commandments. Brothers and sisters, where do we do this weekly in our churches? It's in the worship service. When we sing of the great praises of God, how wonderful he is. And we celebrate if you go through an order of worship with a a confession of sin. We're acknowledging our need and how God meets that need in Jesus Christ. And so there's a pronouncement. We're in a very real way as we as adults, even if your kids are out, if you as an adult is saying it, the children are seeing. here's an adult who has experienced God in a real way. And I'll tell you, the Holy Spirit uses that. That's our doctrine. But then you have Psalm 145. Same thing. I'll extol you, my God and King. Bless your name forever and ever. One generation shall commend your works to another. And that's not just, yes, it is parents to children. But what we have to understand, we are a covenant community of all different ages. And so it's one generation of the congregation telling the next generation of the congregation the great deeds of of the Lord. And here, you know, the Lord is gracious and merciful, slow to anger, abounding in steadfast love. Our children need to hear it. We need to hear it. Our parents who are struggling need to hear it as we come alongside each other. One of the things we did at CDM as we found out about it last fall was we had an opportunity uh, to apply for a grant. For, from the Lilly Endowment. And with that grant, we were given some money to do a survey. And we did survey, we did focus groups. And here are some of the questions we did. And in a minute, I'm going to pitch it to Katie. And Katie can tell you more about it because she was really the one that, that did it. So it's it's all Katie. I just get to stand up here and tell you about it. So, all right, here, think about how you would answer these questions, okay? On Sunday morning... Our church has a separate service or training time for children that takes place during corporate worship service. So you've got their, let's say, an hour, hour and a half worship service, but you have a special time. Four percent of those, and we had about 222 churches that replied, four percent says, yes, we have that, and it actually is a substitute for the worship service. So the whole time the children are doing something else. Uh, sometimes we have this in church planning situations where they'll have Sunday school in one area and then worship will be in another area, but they'll keep, the children won't really participate in it. This is the dominant 173%. Yes, but not the whole time. And I would say it uh, holds true across the denomination that that happens. And then we have 23% that said, no, we don't offer anything. Children are with us the whole time. So that's sort of, and I was encouraged that this number was as low as it is. And that these two numbers were high. Now, where would y'all fall in this? How many are you in the category number one? Oh, well, we got one. Okay, that's fine. But no judgment here. But we're gonna move you to another. You're that way. Okay. On Sunday morning, you know, this would be. Uh, you, we'll we'll let nursery be something separate. Okay. All right. So we'll we'll just we'll give that concession. We're talking about what do you, what did we say? It was at age three. All right, age three and above. Let's think that three and above. Uh, on Sunday morning our church has a separate service or activity for age three and above that takes place during the corporate worship service. How many of y'all would have that where it takes up the whole time? Okay, we have a few. How many of you fall into the second category that, yes, we do, but it's only a part of the time? Okay, yeah, and that fits. That's, That's about what a lot of PCA churches are. And then how many of you are? No, we, the children are with us. Okay, we have a we have more than uh, more than I anticipated. That's that's very interesting. Yeah, y'all can talk to Katie about how what's happening right there. So, <laughs> all right, here's this: during corporate worship service, our pastors and our worship leaders mention the presence and participation of children in the service. So the person up front intentionally mentions and it could be in either way you could welcome children or you could say we're glad or maybe the pastor includes something in his sermon that addresses children okay so how many never have it that was 12 percent sometimes almost half and then we have the often almost always and always and um I was really, I'm glad this is happening. I'd love to get these categories increased because I think that is more in line with our doctrine that we intentionally recognize. Now, a lot of times I have talked to pastors who say, well, you know, yeah, we we don't have anything special for children. We have them here the whole time. And then when I asked the pastor, well, how do you structure your sermon or the service where you recognize children? And many times I met with silence. Because it is challenging to do that as a preacher. But even though it's challenging, good things can be challenging things. And so we need to work on that. Okay, our teaching pastor regularly engages the children during corporate worship by praying for them specifically or mentioning them in the sermon. Never, sometimes, we have about, what is that, 64%. So two thirds of our churches never or sometimes, often, almost always, always. Uh, elders, one thing, especially if you elders are doing like a pastoral prayer, In your service, here's a a little helpful hint. Talk to the people in your children's worship and ask them, what prayer requests do the children have? And then pray for those things in the worship service. And when you do that, that's a very... I mean, they're part of your congregation. Pray for them. Elders sometimes are really nervous about... Doing anything with the children, and elders, you are called to pray. Pray, pray for the children. Well, I don't know. You know, just—you'll be surprised if you ask them for prayer requests. You might be surprised how many requests you get and the type of requests you get. And just think about it. When you hear those weird requests, can you imagine what God in heaven's thinking? What in the world? <laughs> He's He's long-suffering with us. And so this is a way for you to sort of uh, model that to the people that you serve. And then the children of the church serve during a corporate worship service, distribute bulletins, read scripture, uh, do tech, do prayer, offer special music. Uh, here's This is discouraging to me, 32%. Uh, and then... Uh, then it comes down annually seventeen percent which is almost never um, this is something I know there's a debate in our circles about who should be up front and, and but here's what I challenge elders and sessions to do be intentional about defining what roles are authoritative roles and if it's a Manifestation of authoritative church power, you need to only have those who are in the office of authority, which is ordained people. But if it's not an authoritative role, then think creatively about how you can get others involved with that, including children. story I've told before, I told it earlier today with the committee of commissioners, was my daughter... Uh, Love to hand out bulletins, you know, the order of worship. Uh, But the church I served at that time, they had this tradition of deacons only. And and as I told the... Our deacons could be the most dour people in the whole congregation. It's like, here. (laughs) You know, it's like, not the ones you want welcoming. But my daughter was like, here, come to worship. You know, that... And so... But you see, she was able to participate. My sons love to do the AV. Part of it is because they could get up and they didn't have to sit with mom and dad. Probably. I, you know, you got to pull those things together. But that was a way for them to feel like they're a part of the church. My wife and I make a, a, a joke. Our kids, our two boys, uh, don't think they weren't real excited about being preacher's kids because everybody knows who I am and I don't know who they are. My daughter loves it. But one time, my oldest, we were going, there was a church event and there were balloons at this table and my son went up and took the balloon because he wanted a balloon and the person who was manning the table said, I'm sorry, those balloons, it's okay, my dad's a pastor. (laughs) But he felt comfortable Uh, So he he was leveraging, I don't know what it was, but that's what was going on. And then the children of our, uh, oh, we already did this. Now, I'm going to pitch it to Katie.
2: All right, so as Stephen said, yes, we were able to receive funding um, from Lilly Endowment Incorporated to help us do some of this research. And so really what I'm sharing from here out is, what we learned in focus groups where we asked this question. Everybody had this question in advance to think about um, before we came together, um, just to think about what does engagement look like in different churches. And these focus groups were made up of one teaching elder, one ruling elder, two children's ministry professionals, whether that be paid or volunteer, and two parents or grandparents. So we had lots of different perspectives on six calls. Um, and it was such a neat experience to hear everybody, everybody, was from a different church on the call, share the things that they learned and share what was going on in their context and then really learn from each other. So I'm getting to share what we learned with y'all. Um, so uh, I, this is... <laughs> This is, um, part of what we learned is that it's going to get messy sometimes if you know that you need a culture shift. It's going to look messy before it looks better, okay? Um, and so I loved that. But first, I actually wanted to share some of the things we did learn um, about what engagement looks like. So a lot of the things that, the, that was shared in those focus groups were moments that were uninhibited. So it was all of these stories that people shared where children were in worship and were uninhibited in their worship, whether that mean movement, whether that mean the way they sang. Um, I loved that one grandmother pointed out that the first thing that her children and grandchildren learned um, was that they were to bow their head in prayer. And that was such a good reminder that developmentally, that's what they understand first is um, bowing in prayer. And so... We used all this that we learned to do the research for the grant writing that happened. And um, so, yes, families often arrive at church feeling like the train wreck, right? <laughs> I'm seeing a lot of nods of yes. It's, it's like you barely made it. You might be late, and you're not exactly ready for worship. And so um, how do we help this culture shift that what we learned is needs to happen from the top down so from leadership really speaking into this that from the top down we get to change a culture Um, and I know that leadership has so much already so thank you for even thinking about all of this because I just want to acknowledge that you do so much in the church already Um, but we're inspired by those scriptures one generation to another So it's going to get messier before it gets better. And by better, I don't mean all of a sudden you're going to have quiet, compliant children. (laughs) Okay? So better just means that people aren't complaining maybe (laughs) or that parents aren't knocking on your door. Um, So it's not saying it's not still hard, but it's better. It gets better. And so this is just to remember how families feel when they arrive at worship with their children. And I love what one pastor shared on our focus group. He said, "It takes time and patience, and then it takes more time than you thought." So you can set some goals and then just you know give yourself a little bit more time than that even. Um, and this is where CDM, we want to provide support. So because we did receive more funding that I will tell you about in a little bit, we want to help. We want to be a part of that process that helps with this culture shift happening. and so Um, I'm going to share three ways that we think are the biggest needs. These are what we heard from the survey and from the focus groups that helped us write um, the grant, is the biggest needs are um, engaging leaders, engaging children's ministry professionals, and engaging congregations. And I know every church context is different, but hopefully there's something here that you can take away from some of these things that were shared. So engaging leaders— I loved that someone on a focus group shared that there was one elder in their church that knew the names of all the children, whether they were members or whether they were visitors. He made it a point, and he had that reputation. I mean, isn't that beautiful that there is at least one person, one elder in the church, that had that reputation to get to know the children by name and to know them. As a parent, when it comes time for my child to um, join the church. I want him doing the elder interview, right? (laughs) Is because he knows, he cares. And so, of course, this depends on how big your church context is, but think about how your session can get to know the children and get to know um, who they are and their names. Um, Examine your service. Do you plan only for adults? Stephen spoke to this, Um, but, you know, thinking what portions include children, um, addressing them, thinking about—I mean, just remember when you were a kid. If you are a teaching elder, a ruling elder that has that um, opportunity in front of people, think back to when you were a kid, and then you'll you'll think of stories that you can share, um, and then think of ways to involve them um, in service and participation. Like Stephen said, praying for them, doing um, some of that. All right, look for teachable moments. To help understanding. So I've talked to a lot of people recently who say, we have a lot of people that have joined our church and they didn't grow up in church. Okay, so think about those moments in your service when you're taking time to help children understand you're helping more than children. You're helping adults that didn't grow up in the church. You're helping adults. You might be helping someone with a learning challenge. That's an adult understand more of what you're talking about because you're um you're thinking about children so it goes beyond the, the benefits are beyond that all right consider the needs of children in pastoral prayer so I, I love what Stephen already said about that just being able to do that i know one of our somebody in our focus group talked about um that being a pew card and that the children would fill those out just like the adults did, and that their session, he was on the prayer team, they took every child's prayer request seriously that was sent in with those pew cards. So there's other creative ideas of ways to um, learn the prayer requests from the children. Um, okay, pastor, ask someone to help you remember the children. That was something we heard multiple times in the focus groups, is they were like, we just need someone to help us keep thinking about this. So who is it for you? that you trust that you could say, hey, just help me keep remembering these things. And, um, and, and they'll do that for you. Okay, periodically discuss how the culture of the church welcomes children. When you have meetings, there's many meetings in the church, are children mentioned? Are they brought up? That's just another opportunity, whether you gather with staff, whether you, whoever you might gather with, just take a little bit of time during that meeting um, to think about the children and how they're welcomed in. All right, and then intentionally acknowledge and normalize the inclusion of children in the service. Again, Stephen gave lots of ideas. It can happen up front, it can happen um, through pew cards, it could be a statement in your worship guide or in your bulletin. But some way to acknowledge, um, again, the dismissing or the inviting. That's a culture shift that happened in our church that we saw. You know, you're invited to children's worship or you're invited to stay. They're both options. Um, so, just that word invite being, um, you know, a, a way to do that. And then a, a, another quote from one of the focus groups uh, a pastor said, The only thing worse than children screaming in worship is no children in worship. <laughs> and so, we love when we hear babies and noises i'm looking in the back because i love it when we have those noises present because we want those noises we want them to be a part that's the life of the church Um, and i know that no one is intentionally ignoring the children but it's just these discussions these focus groups were so helpful and just bringing them to the front of our minds and helping us think about these things so that's what I hope that you get to do as you leave here is to keep, keep talking about them. Okay, we already talked about this slide, um, but, you know, in my mind, I chop off the 12% and the 9% you just throw out, the never and the always. <laughs> and so it is where 50%, you know, are, are, are not, are sometimes mentioning the presence and participation of children in our worship. So again, we just saw that this is somewhere that churches could use support, and so how we can do that. Okay, let's talk about engaging children's ministry professionals. So as you, um, whether it be a head volunteer, whether it be a staff member, whether it be whoever it is, if you are in a leadership role in the church, you have such an opportunity um, just to invest in the children by investing in those, those children's ministry professionals. So words of encouragement go a long way. So just know that that is a true statement, that words of encouragement are helpful. Okay, intentional presence communicates value. Participation is even better. So as much as you can be present um, in children's ministry, I know we were just talking about VBS. I've got two men from my two pastors from my church here, and it was so encouraging. Yesterday, we—I was there for an hour of VBS before I came here, and there are pastors present. They're opening the doors. They're welcoming people. I mean, it's just there—the presence, participation um, when there are children around is gold, of course, um, and it makes it makes a difference. It helps those children um, know who. Our pastors are to build those relationships and friendships and then um, when they're hearing them on a Sunday morning there's a connection that's already there there's that relationship Um, so it goes a long way ask questions before providing critique so (laughs) there are often times when you need to meet with the children's ministry professional and so just get get to know them invest in them encourage them don't let the time you need to offer critique be the only time you're talking to them. And um, ask questions, learn, learn why they're doing what they're doing. Um, and, then, and then you can be ready to really understand uh, what's going on in that ministry. Okay, this is something that is helpful for me to understand about myself. Children's ministry leaders are often leaders of children because they're good with children. Sometimes adults are hard. And so just know that about the person investing in your children, they are gifted with children and you need to tap into that as someone who knows those children and has relationships with those children. But when you might be thinking, gosh, why are they not da, 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 that is not always intuitive and that's something I learned actually through our certification program was a big help for, with that of just thinking more about the, the volunteers that are serving, those are adults. The others in the church, the parents. I mean, there's so much interaction that your children's ministry professionals are, are having with adults. Um, but they're also great with children. And so just helping that balance. Advocate with the session for training and or professional development. I just mentioned certification and how much it helped me. I'm a certification grad. Certification is a wonderful um resource for for helping and and we have other we have alumni once you go through certification we have ongoing professional development opportunities there we have oh certified Certification Plus um, (laughs) is we are actually auditing um, a class at Covenant Seminary Education, EM101. And um, and so, Evie's a big fan. I am, too. And it's been a, again, what we found is it was a place when we did it last fall where everyone was like, oh, this is helpful in all areas of our church, even in our women's ministry, even with, like, what's going on in helping think about not just the children but also our interactions with adults. So that's been a big gift. Um, Okay, advocate with this session for training and or professional development. Nope, I already did that. Use connections to help with recruiting and curriculum. So if you as leaders in the church have connections... We as children's mystery professionals love when you're helpful here. (laughs) Just helping, knowing um, who in the congregation might be um, available to join the work with the children, uh, who might know great things that would be helpful. So all that to say, that's helpful. Work with children's mystery leaders to learn the songs of the congregation. So I would say if there's a separate children's worship happening How to help them know the church songs that are happening in big church, right? Help blend these two worlds. Children will see that through the songs. They're going to know that, oh, we're singing this song here. It might mean that you're singing some songs that they know in children's ministry in big church, right? So it's helping bridge these worlds, of especially the music is an easy way to do that. All right, and then let's go into encouraging the congregation. So affirm covenant theology through words and the worship service. We are the covenant community, a covenant family. It is the whole covenant community modeling for the children and each other what worship is, okay? We often start with volunteering for Sunday school, but discipleship begins in the worship service. All of this is just reiterating the same thing, of course, that we worship let's make the main thing the main thing that worship is what we're here for we're here to worship the lord we're all doing it together seek and encourage opportunities for children to serve in the life and ministry of the congregation Um, i'm actually looking back at robin because she was in a focus group and i love something that she shared she shared that they were a part of a church plant where their children because it was a church plant had to serve. I mean, it was a whole family event, right? Like, we're all in. So they're helping set up. They're helping tear down. I think I even remember you saying that one of your daughters was then, like, as as the years went on in the church, maybe sitting with a family and helping train their child in worship. Like, our, there's so many opportunities for service if we're just looking for them, even if it's just helping another family and assisting that or whatever it might be. But I love that Um, church plants sometimes have that culture already built in so how can the rest of us that are not a part of a church plant look for those opportunities and nurture a culture characterized by the mentality of we are all learning right now children and all of us get a little taste of heaven on Sunday morning and we're all learning together um, about the kingdom of heaven so getting getting to see that Okay, and next slide is a survey that Barna has done that I just want to point to real quick. The question is asked of parents is, um, does your child have a meaningful relationship with at least one other adult in the church? And you see all the benefits that come from having one meaningful adult relationship. And then, you know, the statistics are lower for those that don't have that meaningful adult relationship Worship service is a place where you can find those meaningful adult relationships. Um, and I love one story from that came out of our focus group is, the last question for our focus groups was, if you had all the resources in the world and there were no barriers, what would you do to help your children in this? And one girl said, I would have a peppermint lady training. And she talked about the woman in her church. It was a man in my church growing up, Mr. Pete who handed out peppermints to all the children of the church. And it was an older woman. She said, now we go to a church, and there's a lady with sticky notes and stickers. It doesn't have to be peppermint peppermints. But, you know, just there was someone that cared enough to think about the children. She's like, I would, ho- I would host a training and call it the Peppermint Lady Training. Um, so I loved that, that was um, that was an idea. And finally, I want to share a little bit about this grant. So... This is a quick picture of a lot of things that shows we were invited to apply, given the funds, step one, for um, us to do this research. Step two is our team. We met as a children's ministry team with Lisa. There were 11 churches represented where we talked about, like, what we would want. We dreamt. We, We got to dream a little. Step three was the survey that, that we shared. So Stephen shared a lot of those results in the survey that was sent out. Step four, we had one-on-one meetings with some experts on this subject that was very helpful. And then step five was those focus groups that you've gotten to hear about today. So we had six focus groups that happened. And then we wrote, and we wrote a program of, it's called Teach Us to Worship, um, and so this is survey results that you've already kind of heard about. We did make sure that we engaged all over the U.S., including Alaska. We engaged all demographics, all types of churches. We learned that a lot of our preschoolers are in children's worship. Early elementary and some late elementary are in children's worship instead of worship. And so we learned the church in the home can have some support here. And then you heard engaging leaders, equipping children's ministry professionals, and empowering congregations. Is what we really want to do and this is how we're doing it so we've gotten to hire somebody that's what is on our children's ministry team Lainey Staten, to help with this run this program um, new systems equip children's ministry professionals we already do that but now we get even even more behind that with this purpose expanding resources we already have a curriculum called teach me to worship We get to do more with that and expand it, and we're going to have a survey that helps us know exactly what we need to do there, engaging leaders just like this, and then our Teach Us to Worship program. You can hear more talks like this by subscribing to the Gifts and Graces podcast. You can also hear more content like this by attending a seminar at General Assembly. They are free and open to the public. Find out times and locations by visiting pcaga.org. Thanks for listening to Gifts and Graces.